Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York. That by the time you listen to this, I've performed improv. But we're going to get into that in a later episode. Uh, another spoiler: uh, on the, at the time that we're recording this, it is early morning on Halloween, uh, and everybody should be fucking happy. Uh, because it's the the holiday that you can celebrate during a pandemic that's the safest, because masks are encouraged. Yes. Joining me this morning, as usual, is the lady behind the beeps, the boops, the buttons, and the bobs, uh, shoeless Chelsea Bennington. How are you, Chelsea? I'm still shoeless. I like that brand for me. <laughs> um. Is that an inside joke, listener? Yes, it is. Yes. Does it amuse me greatly? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, Rick, as you know, this is Halloween, and Halloween is the season when you tell people how you feel about mm-hmm. them. And I love you. I love Happy you, too. Is, it, is that a thing? This is the first I've heard of it. I've known it to be uh, spooky things, uh, creative uh, attire, uh, candy. Candy, that's big. Um, uh, and uh, you, you, you hope, or at least I hope, I, can, I don't want to speak for you or any of our listeners. I hope to encounter a small uh, raggedy entity right. who enforces the rules of Halloween and I hope that they would approve of my choices in which to celebrate this uh, high holy day. I think he would approve, or they would mm. approve. Um, they would under they would understand you. Yeah, no, I think Halloween is a is a very um, intimate and emotional holiday. Uh, nothing brings people together like being scared, facing that vulnerability about yourself. Having a cuddle and have a, a, and cuddle. a baby, <laughs> have a cuddle and a baby Snickers. Exactly, but yeah. <clears throat> so I'm doing good. I uh, I had um, AMC on early this morning, um, because they're doing their you know Halloween marathon and Halloween Five was on. I was actually I was texting uh your beautiful lady about it um because I forgot that there's in the climax of Halloween five, it's just Michael trying to run over everybody. <laughs> like he's just in the car for what felt like 20 minutes, just chasing them in the woods. <laughs> and I don't know. I just had to say that out loud. I was like, God, I forgot how funny that is. <laughs> is it as funny, not as funny or funnier than the mask used in that film because while the mask isn't as bad as in part six it's like oh this just does not look good nor scary this mask i i agree because i think i find the mask in four even though it's incorrect i still find it unsettling Mm -hmm. so it i'm not like as bothered but in five i'm like why did y'all chisel him going on why does he have the structure of a greek statue on his face and um so yeah it's pretty funny i'd say uh the mask is as funny as the car chase scene 
pretty the 90s were a weird time <laughs> weird time i'm just looking it up right now to make sure that that's when the film came out 89 okay the 80s were a weird time <laughs> oh halloween 5 came out in 89 89 yeah wow i thought it was 90s um well no curse comes at, came out in the mid 90s right uh shortly thereafter early okay. 90s early 90s okay yes anyway that's not what we're talking yeah about. you guys so don't want to hear us decipher the halloween movies one of these days we'll do a whole <laughs> franchise episode and when halloween ends comes out we'll review improvise another review but today we're going international <laughs> we're talking about international horror today and some of our favorite films from places that aren't america because sometimes they're creepier sometimes uh they're they're a little difficult to understand because what resonates in one culture may not resonate to us and we go well uh what was that about uh and and sometimes sometimes they truly freak us the fuck out or entertain the hell out of us so chelsea yeah. which film would you like to kick us off with police so yeah i was i was thinking about um international horror rick and i were talking about it a few weeks ago because uh i was watching a few movies um for uh the 31 days of halloween challenge the hooptober challenge and i watched a couple of uh foreign horror films for it that one I'd seen, one I hadn't. But it got me thinking about when I started watching more international um, international horror and what got me into it. So the first one that I'm actually gonna talk about is the, is the one that got me into it. Um, after I watched the 2004, uh, The Grudge, I saw it in theaters when it first came out, the, and I'm talking about the American remake. Um, I loved it. I thought it was so fun, so creepy, so unsettling. And I knew it was a remake because um, I had seen, I think, The Ring prior and then Renu. And then this is when we started making those American remakes of Asian horror films. Um, and what I thought. Ching said America. <laughs> what did you say? Ka-ching. Ka-ching. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Um, very true. And what I thought though was fascinating is uh, the director of The Grudge directed Juwan, um, the, the, you know, mm -hmm. the original. So I was like, well, that's cool that um, I watched like a behind the scenes feature when I bought the DVD. And I loved, you know, that he was really committed to making this, you know, American. And he didn't even speak fluent uh, English. He had a translator on set and still got great performances. I mean, I think it's a solid remake. So I watched Juwan after watching the American uh, Grudge and still like very unsettling and very creepy. Um, I do love that it's an, um, it's something that is folklore to that, to, you know, to Japan basically, like ha that feeling or having the grudge uh, live inside a house, a, a, an emotion almost, instead of just a, a haunting. Um, it's the emotion and the rage that's haunting you, not a specific person. So I, I love that aspect. 
um, and creepy kids are creepy kids, no matter what country. I think that's something we can all bond over in this world that kids all children are, are creepy. creepy. Yeah, creepy. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, Rick. Have you seen Juan and have you seen the American one? I have, not in a while. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the most recent grudge film that came out with American oh, treasure, yeah. Lynn Shea. Um, I, it pains me to say this, I did not enjoy it, but the original was very creepy. The American remake was very creepy. I heard a story uh, way back when the film came out, the American version came out, that director Takashi Shimizu uh, was saying to the actors through an interpreter, do it again, but this time don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's very David Lynch of him. <laughs> Which is as direct as I think it needs to be. Uh, it's probably one that I should uh, revisit. I haven't been compelled to. Again, because kids, they're fucking creepy. Uh, and, and one of the best things about this pandemic uh, is, is a reason to avoid children more than I already did. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, sure, they're going to be vaccinated soon, but still, eh. I mean, you know, I like my niece, I like my nephew, and that's the extent of kids that I would choose to be around. Uh, that's enough. <laughs> kids cough directly into other people's faces and wipe snot on you if they're not eating it. I don't need to be around that. And when they're paranormal and they open their mouth real wide and, like, I, I forget what comes out of the child's mouth, in the movie but still um and and going into that also in other cultures uh if this offends anyone i apologize in advance short pants on male school students i don't like it don't like oh, it at all especially when their socks are up to their like knees or yeah. something it's weird as, as part of their uniform i realize i'm projecting because i was a clumsy child who fell a lot and I have many uh, scars from numerous scrapes on my knees. I don't like it. No, no, short pants. I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. I feel it's wrong. All right. I feel like I'm going to charge you after this uh, therapy session because I okay. wasn't expecting this early. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I just briefly wanted to mention, and I was going to post a question on YouTube, uh, the movie that did kind of bring, bring my, or expand my mind to like, oh, what, what else should I be watching? Um, and yeah, it was The American uh, Grudge and then Juon. The other two films I want to talk about, you know, that will we'll round robin it. Um, I'll go into in a little bit more depth, but just had to give my brief honorable mention to Juan. Cool. Yeah, and we're going to spoil the fuck out of these films. So oh, yeah. if you haven't seen them already, uh, remedy that. <laughs> but Rick, if I could briefly ask you, and this may have been what you wanted to, uh, one of the movies you wanted to talk about anyway. If not, you can just give a couple of sentences. Um, is right. there a certain uh, foreign horror film that did make you think I should be watching more foreign horror? It's not so much a specific uh -huh. film, just every once in a while, I get in a mood to 
uh, realize like I need to diversify what I'm watching. Right. Uh, and sometimes that's uh, left to what's available via streaming. Mm -hmm. uh, to any of our listeners from uh, based in New York back in the day that remember Kim's video down in Greenwich Village, that <laughs> helped a lot uh, when I could take a chance on a movie or uh, read an article about something in Fangoria and go, I need to watch this based on what I read. Uh, and and if and, and there'd be like if you like this shelf, check this out, or employee recommendations of things like that. Mm -hmm. Now it's it's more akin to uh, here's what we have. Uh, look at these uh, beautiful American people and press OK on your Roku. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, streaming services like Shutter help in being a little more diverse in what they're choosing uh, to to make available to us. Uh, and, and the community, the horror community will champion what they like. And it could be a couple of years after the fact of it coming out, but sometimes there's something with enough buzz that's like, yes, I want to watch this. Or in the case of some films, it's like, uh, no, thank you. I, I read that, and or I watched. Uh, in the case of the the film Raw that was on Netflix, that was I saw was on a list of films that, according to them, are too scary for people to finish. I didn't finish it because it was a lot of real veterinary things. Uh, the, it takes place at a veterinary school, right. and seeing an actress up to her shoulder in a cow anus. I'm like, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Gonna go. But that's me. <laughs> so the first film I want to talk about is a film that blew my fucking mind. Uh, and I love it very much. Have you seen One Cut of the Dead? No, I have not. Enlighten me. I'm gonna spoil the shit out of you. I'll still watch it. it, a lot of, it, it is I don't great. care about spoilers. It is great. I don't know if it appeals to people that aren't improvisers as much as it did to me but i love this movie um i had heard about it uh, a couple years ago uh from a former guest uh Robert luzo he was raving about it and found it online one day when i was uh very ill and you and all of our circle of friends went to go do karaoke uh i think it was like a new year's eve or something and it's about a Japanese crew filming a zombie movie. And then real zombies show up. And things happen. People die. Uh, we get to one survivor. The credits roll. And I boop the Roku and I go, this is only like 45 minutes and there's still a lot of space before the end of the progress bar right what the fuck is happening the movie's not over oh my god we and i'm gonna backtrack a little bit that whole first 45 minutes lives up to the title of the movie in the fact that like about 
10 minutes in, I go, no, they didn't. They, they, they did not make this one consecutive shot. There has to be trickery, but they're hiding the trickery so well that that first 45 minutes looks like one complete shot from beginning to the end. The second half of the movie, you find out that there is a group of family of filmmakers who are commissioned by a network in Japan to make a zombie-themed broadcast in one shot. So you see the pre-production, the production, and all of the things go wrong from earlier in the film. Now there are different shots being cut and edited together like a regular type film. And you're seeing where like uh, one actor uh, has a problem, things are getting holed up, effects are being holed up. The actors have to improvise and we're cutting back in. And then how they pull everything off at the end of another 45 minutes. And it reminded me of how you could be watching an improv show uh, back before a pandemic and you're laughing, you're having a good time and, but none of them seem connected. And then a very talented performer will say one line right at the end before the stage lights black out that ties everything that you've seen for the past hour together. And that's this movie. It's that brilliant that by the end of it, the, the smile that was on my face uh, would have masqueraded that I was not feeling well the first time I watched it. And I believe it's still on Shutter, and I definitely think you should check it out. That sounds like it doesn't even matter that you give spoilers because you need to see the visuals. That's why yes. I'm like, you could tell me the whole plot line, but what you're describing is kind of, I need to see it to believe it, even though I do believe it, but I just need, that sounds like a really great movie. And the, ne and the next time you, you talk to some of your uh, colleagues, uh, since you're volunteering at the George A. Romero Foundation, who everybody of, that listens to should support as well, ask them if they've seen it and what they think about it. Because there's definitely love for George, uh, clearly mm -hmm. by the title, um, but just the, 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 the renegade style of the first half or at least it appears very renegade and lofty in its ambitions to make a zombie film. Wonder what, what some of those uh, folks would think of it. Yeah, that would be very interested in hearing that. Okay, yeah, done. I'm gonna check that out. You convinced me. And I'm glad you told me the movie's not over when those credits roll. <laughs> um, according to Joe Bob Briggs, when he showed it on the last drive-in, some people at its festival premiere walked out halfway through because they saw credits and thought it was over oh yeah um, and they're they're not going to see like the progress bar yes that's Trixie. crazy Trixie <laughs> awesome I love it um so uh the movie that I'm going to bring up was um was one that kind of sparked uh us doing this episode uh 
this movie I watched for the first time when I was, I think 17 or 18. I think it was my senior year of high school. Um, me and one of my friends at the time, we were uh, um, doing like an all night horror movie marathon. And this is one we decided to watch at three in the morning <laughs> and um, not, not the best choice when you're already tired. Uh, Cause it is um, a very, uh, it, it's a slow burn filled with dread uh, type of feeling. Um, and that movie is called The Orphanage or Rick, say it uh, the correct way. In Spanish, El Orfanato. Love it. Um, so this is a movie that came out in 2007. Um, and it is about a woman who uh, used to live in an orphanage before, of course, being adopted. And um, now she's an adult. Uh, she's married. She has a child. And um, she decides to take them back to her old orphanage home uh, because she plans to open it back up as a home for uh, disabled children. Um, and as uh, Black Dynamite said, uh, orphans don't have parents. Go on. That, I mean, that's a very important address, you know? Um, and um, her son, uh, he has imaginary friends. A, a really good trope for creepy kids is <laughs> imaginary friends usually equals ghosts. Um, and there's one uh, child or imaginary child that he regularly talks to, Tomas. And um, he just, he very much has that creepy kid factor about him. And you learn that uh, her son is actually very ill. He was adopted as well. Um, and then you learn uh, about more haunting details about the children that were in the orphanage um, after uh, her son goes missing and she's really digging into it and uh, trying to find out what happened to her child to the point that um, after the police, I guess, exhausted all of it, and they're not as actively looking anymore because it's been months, uh, bringing in a medium into the orphanage, um, really trying to, really trying to figure out everything that happens. And then, of course, yes, spoiling this movie because, I, I mean, we have to talk about the ending because I was crying. Um, I didn't remember a lot of it when I watched it a few weeks ago. So I feel like I almost came into it with fresh eyes. Like I remembered some of the jump scares, but I forgot uh, the, the tale itself. And um, when you find out at the end uh, that she accidentally locked her son uh, in behind the walls and that's how he died. He never yeah. went like missing no one took him no one uh it, it was nothing like that he's been dead in the house all along in like it, a storage room or a crawl space if i recall yeah i think it's correctly. like a crawl space in the closet i think mm -hmm. and she accidentally knocked those like bars down and it hit the why are you laughing <laughs> this is not funny <laughs> in a weirdo kind of again as someone that doesn't like children and and simon was a little bit weird uh like uh, at the end it's like hey what's that smell that's simon <laughs> that's simon i just love i really wish 
listeners that you could get the visual that I'm describing that the bars locked the closet or the crawl space and Rick was smiling ear to ear like this is the funniest thing ever (laughs) um (laughs) you have proven that you are not qualified to be a parent (laughs) the most the most extreme way possible it just hurts so much because it's guilt it's it's there's nothing you can do and the way that um it's just tragic and you're like oh my god how is this even gonna end and I thought the ending was absolutely beautiful because it, it it's very much a gothic tale and it's very much rooted in magical realism which is a genre I love or a type of you know storytelling that I love and um she decides to you know, kill herself to be with her son. And um, when she when she dies holding him, um, the end, you see the orphans and the orphans are around her and they're, you know, asking Laura, um, what's her name? I can't remember if I mentioned it. Um, are you staying with us? Can you stay with us? And she's surrounded by these kids and it's almost a feeling of, um, of warmth in a way, whether you believe it or not because she was never going to find peace alive now. So um, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, you're with your son. You're with these children that you left behind years ago when you know when you were adopted. And it's kind of full circle in the most like haunting way possible. So that's why I was crying and I was upset. And then I was also feeling warm like good about it and I think it's such a haunting and moving story and the one last thing I'll say is uh Rick I don't know if you remember this scene but when she's trying to get the ghost out and she does the game she plays the game she played with them as a kid Mm -hmm. the one two three knock on the door uh, I, I assume it's the Spanish version of Red Light, Green Light. Uno, dos, tres, toca la pared. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then when she would turn around, nothing's there. Turns around, there's one of the kids. Turns around, there's three of them. It's so good. It's just beautiful film. So I love it. I love that movie so much, honestly. It may be one of my favorites now. I think it was produced by Guillermo del Toro. So it yes. certainly has the feel that he's known for that yeah these are there are ghosts uh it's going to be creepy and unsettling but there's also going to be emotion there that i feel he manages to trick his audience into feeling and that maybe mm-hmm. they're they're not uh, ready for it. They they go into watching a movie looking just for fear, and mm-hmm. then it's like, ha ha, motherfucker! Like uh, you know, sometimes you love it, sometimes you dislike it when there's social commentary uh, in a film, and sometimes uh, you don't agree with it. He bamboozles people uh, in his audience into feeling their feelings. And that uh, is a great, I don't want to use the word bait and switch, but definitely uh, 
method of trickery yeah that it's very methodical in in, in a lot of his projects uh which we we all can enjoy because uh, he's good like that he is a master of uh his own genre of horror i feel Mm-hmm. that he's able to pull things off that um, other filmmakers uh, may not have ever uh, succeeded at. Uh, he's just good like that. Yeah, he. you're right. He did produce it, and you definitely feel his touch in it. Uh, love that movie. It, it, it's a good one. Uh, now you know how to play Red Light, Green Light in Spanish. Uh if you're ever around kids. Uh, in fact, I think you should just initiate it if they don't speak Spanish and just confuse the shit out of them. <laughs> That's a good idea. Oh, uh, I'd like to talk about my favorite Giallo next and just mentioning that, you know automatically what movie I'm gonna talk about, don't you, Chelsea? Yes, go ahead. <laughs> it's a speech. <laughs> Directed by the wonderful Dario Argento, and I've seen this movie uh, a lot of times, um, and only uh, like maybe after the the sixth or seventh time watching it did I realize it's about witches, because <laughs> visually it's so colorful, uh, which is not typical for a lot of horror movies. Uh, it, just, just the visuals are great. There are scenes in very brightly lit rooms that are great uh and the music uh by goblin is so wonderful it's my favorite film score that just being lost in the ethereal visual and sonic feel of the movie that by the end of it, i'm like are it witches this was witches okay cool because also you've got that weird uh italian style of filmmaking where sound was never recorded on set so everything gets uh all the dialogue gets recorded by people later so you don't hear Udo Kier's uh wonderful accent when his character is speaking um it's just uh and and uh, uh the actors uh specifically uh, he said he vamps as he goes to look it up. Jessica Harper, who played Susie Banyan, uh, basically said in filming this movie, um, she had to uh, just wait for her scene partner to stop speaking and then <laughs> know what line she had to deliver next. So that adds to the the alien feel of the film. Uh, and whoever they choose to dub certain things, the voices are very unusual. Uh, English may not be their first language. The accents help uh, to to add to that weirdo kind of feeling uh, in a way, uh, like the woman that's in charge of the dance school, like it, is like, you, you, can, you can say this man is very ugly. That, he doesn't speak English. It's okay. He's from Romania. Like, all right, cool. In her weird voice as she's counting the dancers through and one and two and three and four. 
um, to anybody that hasn't seen this Giallo classic, the fuck, man? Go, what are you doing? <laughs> if you have not seen this, turn this off and then turn it back on. Yeah, come back to us later. <laughs> go watch Suspiria. And then you'll know. I love Suspiria. Who doesn't? I know. It's it's one that um, the, the way I heard of Suspiria was the Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments. Um, and Suspiria is on that list. I, I mean, that actually introduced me to a lot of movies because I uh, think that was on TV like 2004, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, when so that, that aired, I just sat with a pad and a pen like, okay, I need to watch this. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, what a great, great list. And it's on YouTube. Sometimes I still put it on, uh, especially around uh, the holidays. <laughs> uh this holiday um yeah I love Suspiria my favorite you know part of it really is the visuals it's just so gorgeous and so well done and I'm I'm in the camp of not liking the remake I just Mm -hmm. I thought it was so boring and I feel like it's one of those things where if you tell someone it's boring they're just gonna say you didn't get it and I'm like no it was just boring. <laughs> like I'm mostly going to blame Tom York for that one. Uh, I, I realize I realize that's not fair, uh, and there's a lot of people, especially of my generation, that love Radiohead, and that's fine. But they're not fucking Goblin. Yeah, I thought Tom York was a very strange composer choice, but I think Tom York is. A strange choice in so many things <laughs> and i say that as someone who does like radiohead um okay computer but yeah i don't know i thought it was so boring and um i thought dakota johnson and tilda swinton were just wasted in that um they could have you could have given them something better to do because i love both of those actresses um but it is what it is. And we have the original and it's gorgeous as hell. And I mean, Italian horror is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I, that, this is one of those conversations where it's like, yeah, need to watch more giallos, which I have done uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, and I'm glad that I did. Uh, yeah, but there, there, there's always more. There's always more to check out. Uh, so, yeah. What what's next on your list? So my um my last one is one that I watched uh, earlier this week. It was my final because uh, I did uh, for the George Romero Foundation. We took part in Hooptober, uh, like I mentioned um, on Letterbox. So I had a few movies that I reviewed, and this was the last one. Um, and it also it has similar themes to the orphanage, which um, I unintentionally picked really emotional movies to watch for Hooptober, <laughs> which is, which was not intended, but it got me in my feelings while also scaring the hell out of me. So that's always a good time. Um, this is a 2003 film that's also been remade, has an American remake, um, A Tale of Two Sisters. And um, it's, the American remake is called uh, The Uninvited. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I know Elizabeth Banks is in it. Um, Banksy. Banksy. Uh, 
I will say I really wish I had not seen The Uninvited before watching A Tale of Two Sisters because they're they they are very different. There's a lot of different things. I mean, one of them is A Tale of Two Sisters is better, <laughs> but um, there's a there's a pivotal um, plot point uh, that happens in both movies. So, and I will spoil it for everyone now because it's still worth watching the film because this isn't the only reveal by any means. Um, the whole last act of the movie is uh, is just reveal after reveal. But um, it's two sisters. Uh, one of them was institutionalized. Uh, she comes back home um, to her father and her stepmother. And she is very close to her sister. Um, they hate uh, the stepmother. The stepmother does come off very strange, very unsettling. There's something about her. Uh, I think this actress did an amazing job, actually. Um, I found the stepmother role it, it's a very complicated one and I think she did a good job um but yeah she comes home and strange things start happening in the house uh ghosts are seen there's one almost similar to the bent neck lady in the haunting of hill house which I thought was very interesting because this was a 2003 film in South Korea um and uh it's it's very it's very uh biological women centered the women are all menstruating at the same time there's um those uh there's that horror there's <laughs> um but it, like body horror in a in a way and you realize that uh the sister um the little sister has been dead all along she and then you see all those little clues where nobody was really acknowledging her so they were only talking to the main sister and uh that's the big reveal in the uninvited this movie does it better <laughs> but um so i hated that i knew that like part of me was like oh, this would have been but i still very much enjoyed the movie and um why i said it's very similar to the orphanage is there's another very tragic uh freak accident child death in this where you find out the way the little sister died is um she found her mother her real mother hanging in in the closet in the wardrobe um uh she killed herself and the and out of shock um you know the wardrobe uh falls on the little sister um with her mom inside falls on her and no one hears her um and she's just slowly crushed to death or in bled to death it's squish squish so it's another it's another great um just so tragic because like freak things like that just happen and there's no rhyme or reason and uh it's absolutely tragic um so, but also one thing i also loved about this movie is it does something that a lot of horror movies and thrillers don't do i feel like and rick let me know if you agree i i feel like a lot of movies when it comes to psychological thrillers and like ghost haunted thrillers it's either all in your head or it is an actual haunting it's never both 
Um, like that's a, that's a rare, you know, sometimes it, it's, it's like the, it's like the filmmakers want to choose a route. They can't do both. They want to either have it where it's like Shutter Island and it's all in their head and nothing's actually been happening. Or it's a movie where um, she wasn't crazy. It is, you know, all of this. And what I love about this movie is that it does both. Like there are things that are in her head that are from her mental state. Um, but the place is hella haunted. <laughs> and like, that's how the stepmother gets it is the ghost of the sister. So I appreciate when movies do both because that's a complicated route. Because then you're like, oh, what is in their head? Oh, what's ghost? You, you do have to put the effort in. But I get so mad when the it's all in their head avenue is done because I feel like that's a cop out. It's actually why I really don't like Shutter Island. I know a lot of people like that movie and that book, but I was so pissed that, oh, he's crazy. Because um, it was like brilliant up to that. We are duly appointed federal masters. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's anyway. Very, that's, that's a very my... good point. Um, yeah. And I think... Uh, the reason why it's never both is probably uh, two reasons. I'm going to guess that studios probably think that uh, their audiences are dumb. And if you try to uh, go both of those routes, the audience won't get it and they mm, will dislike yeah. the film and it will fail and not make its money back. And on the other hand, you need a good filmmaker to pull that off. Um I bought the DVD of this years ago, uh, just on a whim, again, in the middle of Greenwich Village at this little flea market that I've talked about before, where Kung Fu Brother would just recommend weirdo horror films to me. Uh, and I love the cover. I absolutely love the cover. Gorgeous cover. Um, and I actually have a poster uh, of the film. And I tried watching it once. and uh it wasn't the right day mm -hmm. uh but also the dvd that i bought the subtitles were a little bit delayed from the dialogue oh, okay. uh so it's like now i'm seeing the dialogue of the character that spoke before this character is on screen oh you can't watch watching, it that way i tried watching it a second time when it was on shutter and it just didn't hit right that I wasn't hating it, but it's like, this is not the day. And yeah. there's uh, some, there's a scene with a dinner party where I stopped it and I'm like, today's not the time. Uh, and sometimes I think, you know, you're, you're just not ready for some, some piece of art, be it a movie or uh, like when I first got, you know, a, a Miles Davis CD, uh, when I'm in my twenties, it's like, I'm not ready yet. Mm -hmm. but I will be so one of these days I'm gonna revisit that movie uh and watch it uh, and, and hopefully love it as much as you do I definitely think you'll enjoy it it's one that um again I agree if you're if you're not in the if it's not feeling right like it's not one of those mindless like popcorn movies or anything like that which we all love um it, it definitely just grabs you and haunts you. And the ending is just so well done. That last act having the, the two actresses, the stepmother and the you know main sister, the tension between them that they can do without speaking is 
it, it's so good. The, the score is also very good in the places that it's used. Um, but yeah, I, I read that this movie was an absolute uh, hit when it when it came out and it's still very beloved. I think it has other remakes too. Like it's the uninvited in, in the US and I think there might be some others as well. But this one, um, it's, uh, you can't, you know, uh, can't fuck with the original like Sidney Prescott says. Because Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> uh, last film I want to talk about. Uh, it may uh, some some people may not notice that it's a foreign film because it is uh, in an English language, uh, but it is from the fable Canada's, and uh, I showed you this film because it is the greatest movie oh, dear that God. has ever been made. <laughs> you really are we really going here? This is <laughs> it is a foreign film. It is worth talking about. For any of our listeners that have not seen this movie, they fucking well should. People talk about Citizen Kane, The Godfather, Apocalypse Now. People argue, what's the greatest movie of all time? And I am here to say, unequivocally, you are all fucking wrong. There is no greater movie ever filmed than Psycho fucking Goreman. I love it. That's where, oh my God, I know you were up thinking, how am I going to tie Psycho Gorman into this? (laughs) No, just the fact that it's like, hey, we've got foreign films and this is one. I love it. I love it. And even in other English speaking foreign films uh, that I love, like Shaun of the Dead, great movie. Wonderful movie. Recommended for everyone. It's not Psycho fucking Gorman. It's not. It's not Psycho. We have an ancient alien conqueror who is buried on Earth in a backyard in the Canada where he is on Earth by Mimi and her older brother who she abuses, Luke. And she grabs a hole of this jewel that gives her dominion over this ultra-violent fucking alien. And hilarity ensues with a great rock and roll soundtrack that I bought the DVD and vinyl the day after watching this for the first time. Knowing it was going to be on Shudder, but never wanting to not have the option to watch this movie if I wanted to. Uh, It needed to be done. So all of the creature effects are practical and for any younger fans that I guess like the Power Rangers or or Doctor Who creatures, it's shit like that. There's some digital stuff too. The comedy throughout this film will drive you insane. The fact that there's a little girl saying, outlandish but not profane shit uh, makes it even funnier. So uh, my niece recently uh, told me that she was gonna watch some horror movies with her friends and 
and I recommended things to her like Fear Streak because I don't expect her and her 14 year old pals to have access to a Shutter subscription. But if they enjoyed it and they're ready for more and they're not ready to be traumatized, but they want to have fun with horror, I'm waiting for the day where it's like, okay, Marilyn, sit down. We're going to show you the greatest film ever made. Uh, and if my niece doesn't like Psycho Gorman, then I will have to eat her soul and she'll never play crazy ball again. Love it. I, I have one regret in life and it's not watching this sooner. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, uh, it's one that Rick kept raving about it. His girlfriend kept raving about it. Because everything mom, else in life is fucking it. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so that's mom, the only regret. My mom, like, loved it. And my I, little I, sister, everyone loved it. <laughs> I told your mom to watch it. Yeah. So like, you the next day. <laughs> Probably after texting you, like, I have seen the greatest film of all time. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom takes Rick's suggestions uh, very seriously over mine, actually. Um, so, so, uh, I, but I did love that we watched, we did it, um, as part of like our garage cinema series where we watched it on the projector. And I think that was perfect. Like it was, it was a great movie to watch in that fashion. Um, it, Rick can attest to this. I just kept freaking out <laughs> like every time. So there was a new plot point or like a kid turns inside out. Uh, a cop becomes a, a poor, poor little suicidal sidekick um, for five minutes. Every, every time Mimi said something hilarious or abusive to her brother, or just to like, you know, a little school chum, like, hey, that's a great outfit. Give us a little spin, hunky boy. Hunky boy. Um, Mimi is everything. That child is uh, the best. And I loved everything about her. I loved that she, when she realized she had this very ancient, powerful, bloodthirsty god of a, of a monster uh, in her power, she was just like, go sit over there and we'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> like she just, she was so cute. Um, I loved the I loved the sibling you know tension that happened in the movie and it actually becomes quite a family drama at the same time um, with you know the mom not always feeling appreciated and the dad being a dick um, but the the effects were great Psycho Gorman was fantastic character I loved him I love that they dress him up uh, as the guy from Jurassic Park at one point um, amazing it's just such a such a wonderful and I, film. I never made the connection of how much he resembles Sam Neill. I think it was intentional. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's as good as filmmaking gets. So uh, now as as, as uh, mandates are being lifted uh things are going back to theatrical release only and and the corporations are struggling for your uh vital dollar and i admit you should go out and support your local preferably independently owned theater 
Uh, yeah, yeah. All, all, all the films that are coming out. Uh, Eternals is coming out. Uh, Y'all you, you got to compete with Psycho fucking Gorman. And I don't like your odds. I said it. I meant no, it. Nothing will top Psycho Gorman. I mean, even the name alone strikes emotion and fear and love and respect. How could you not respect someone named Psycho Gorman? And and, uh, and and his affinity for hunky boys. I do not care for hunky boys, or do I? <laughs> not my hunky boys, <laughs> guys. Y'all have to watch it. If you have not watched this movie, you have to watch. <laughs> more more than more than any of the films that we talked about on this episode already. I agree. Uh, you it you need to watch. Psycho Gorman. If you don't have Shutter and aren't willing to spring for it, buy the DVD. I did. Uh, I did not go through Amazon. I just Googled directly from the production house. Uh, so Jeff Bezos won't get my money and fuck off to space. Um, just get it. That you're, you're done. It's enough. You're good. That's all you need. Uh, and you'll thank me for it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Big rock ending. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's still Halloween. Uh, we're going to go perform improv uh, tonight for the first time since March of 2020. And you'll hear about uh, our escapades on a future episode. Uh, with some of the people so you got that to look forward to in your podcast feed um but chelsea where can the people find you if they want to find you and hopefully see your attire that you will be adorned with this evening that yes i'm gonna be in a couple of hours i'm gonna be playing with makeup and getting getting that all together um so you guys will see my costume on twitter and instagram just look up uh chelsea bennington and as Rick mentioned earlier, my little shameless plug, I've been volunteering with the George A. Romero Foundation um, and the GARF uh, for short, G-A-R-F, and support us, follow us. Um, we had Suze Romero, uh, George's uh, widow, on the show. She's amazing. She uh, absolutely amazing. And if you love George Romero's films and you want to support uh blossoming young filmmakers then it's worth checking out you can check out uh spooky doings improv on facebook where we're, we're doing some things there might be more shows in the future uh you can check out spooky doings on instagram for all the podcast stuff rick guzman 718 on twitter for my horror thoughts and things of that nature uh tell your friends about the show uh there have been some wonderful people on the tweety uh that have been uh supporting the show some new listeners so i'm glad i'm back on there and not telling conservative politicians to eat all parts of my ass and then getting uh removed from twitter uh but i still feel that feeling uh <laughs> figuratively of course um but yeah chelsea i love you Love you. We're going to murder each other on stage later. Yes, we are. It'll be a good, be spooky good time. time. 
because uh, in a world of people uh, that you can crack each other up and bust each other's balls, uh, it's good when you find a, a creative partner like yourself that makes you feel all warm and is a good friend too on top of that. I'm a lucky motherfucker. Ditto. I like so, me too. <laughs> that's why you should. So to all of our listeners out there, I hope you had a wonderful Halloween doing whatever it is that you choose to do because it's a holiday that is not burdened by outdated traditions. Uh, there's no wrong way to celebrate it. Uh, I hope you had a good time uh, and, and, and got creative with things. But most importantly, staying safe, staying healthy, staying spooky. Love you. Till next time.